Welcome to Marari Unmuted, a podcast about music, life, and finding new ways to engage the next generation of performer and chamber musician. All right. So we are interviewing Stephanie Fry Clark, tubist of the Marari Brass, teacher of all things tuber euphonium, low, big instruments. That's right. Hi, Stephanie. Jesse. I love that we're doing this and that we can just chat and be idiots for a few minutes. This is I know. a fun time. It is it is nice to <laughs> to be able to have an excuse to chat and be idiots instead of just exactly. trying to do it for, for anyways. Totes <laughs> <laughs> true. All right. So this is kind of all about getting to know each other um, a little bit better uh, through the course of this just understanding who the people in Marari are and kind of what their backgrounds are. Um, so, yeah, so why don't we get started? Um, I guess we just kind of go all the way back to the beginning, right? So just kind of, you know, how did you end up where you are? How did I end up where I am? Well, I was, I was born in Royal Oak, Michigan at, at Beaumont Hospital. Uh, no, but really, as I, my, my, I lived, grew up in Michigan, in Birmingham, Michigan, and then my parents, we all moved to uh, London for a few years when I was a kid, and when we moved back to the States, uh, it was right about the time when you'd be starting back in music, and um, so when fifth grade rolled around, I thought that despite a lot of people's warnings that I was too small, I thought that the tuba and at the time as well, the euphonium were the coolest instruments in the band, mostly due to just the low timbre um, and just general sound. And so I decided to pick up the tuba. Uh, my mom was very worried because I was like four foot eight and 90 pounds or so that I wouldn't be able to actually handle it, the physical instrument. Um, but my neighbor, who was a, uh, I guess, like semi-professional trombonist, played in a couple local symphonies, his advice to my mom was, let her play whatever instrument that speaks to her, because that is what she's going to stick with. That's what she's going to find enjoyment out of. So my mom took his advice, and, you know, here we are today. But, you know, I, uh, my, neither of my parents were in music, so they both came from a finance background, so it um they were supportive and were helpful in the way that they really allowed me to do the things that I wanted to do especially in regards to music there was never a hesitation um so I did the were they yeah were they were they interested in music themselves like were they kind of avid listeners did they have musical influences that you felt like kind of got you turned on to anything um, they definitely were avid music listeners, but nothing that would necessarily draw me towards the tuba. I mean, there's still lasting musical impressions from, like, I can remember listening to, like, The Who uh, and Pink Floyd, especially uh, David Bowie from from when I was a kid. And um, maybe, I mean, I guess nowadays I really enjoy doing a lot of really out there music and taking music that you wouldn't expect to fit for the tuba or a group of instruments and making it work for that group and for the tuba yeah. in particular. So, I mean, that could be a big part of it. I think one of the best 
one of my reasons I love doing music is I can really do whatever I want. I can do play anything I want to play, just whatever speaks to me, I can make work. So I yeah. guess it's that way a little bit. But yeah, awesome. And so you obviously majored in music when you went to college. I did. What was that like? Well, um, I decided to attend Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin, primarily because I could do what they have what's called a double degree program there. So they allow you to do a Bachelor of Music, uh, and I did my focus in music performance, and then in addition, a Bachelor of Arts. And I decided to do a Bachelor of Arts in Biology because at the time I was very strongly, well, I thought I was going to go to medical school. So that was when I, I mean, I decided to go to that school because it gave me the opportunity to keep pursuing music while also pursuing this other thing that I very much enjoyed as well. Awesome. And you obviously had some very, very supportive teachers. Um, do you think, uh, what was their kind of role in, obviously we have a lot of choices, right? When you leave undergraduate, there's many things you can do. You can teach, you can go to graduate school, you can just freelance, all of those kind of things. What kind of pushed you towards uh, the performance route? And ultimately, because you ended up being a teacher, how did you kind of navigate that? Did you have some help with some professors or were there some experiences that really kind of drew you to being a performer or to being a teacher? Sure. Yeah. So when I, as I said, when I was in my undergrad, um, I had the dream of being a medical doctor. Uh, I was, I guess this is going back a little bit, but when I was in high school, I was told by my teacher at the time that I wasn't good enough at the tuba at that time to really pursue it. He recommended that I did not pursue it long-term. I was also told by a different a teacher who I looked up to that I was, quote, too smart to pursue a career in music. I think he was trying to be helpful in saying that, you know, like I should <laughs> use my mind elsewhere, but I don't really get it because I don't see the downside of having smart people in music. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I, um, yes, when I went to my undergrad, my undergraduate teacher, uh, Marty Erickson, was incredibly supportive and really, um, and I don't think in a false way, kind of showed me through my own actions by getting me to put myself out there that I really was capable of pursuing a career in music if that's what I wanted to do. So um, that was a pivotal moment of understanding that and coming to that realization uh, and having his support um, for that change. It really changed my mindset completely. Uh, it was about, it was a five-year program. So about halfway through my fourth year was when I made that decision. And uh, I pursued a master's after that uh, at the University of Wisconsin with John Stevens. And he definitely solidified that for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's always great when you have a teacher that like kind of gets you. Definitely. <laughs> like, oh, you look at all this stuff you can bring to the And obviously you can bring a lot to the table because you were kind of bringing a different background. It wasn't just like music or bust. Yeah. It was like, oh, I actually have some other interests and I have some outside things, which ultimately I think that probably really helped you create kind of your musician identity, right? It wasn't just this one thing, like I have to do this and, and that's it. 
um, but it really allowed you to kind of see outside of the normal confines of sometimes I think what music education can be. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so you ended up at um, University of Wisconsin-Madison for your master's, and then you decided to stay yes. and do a doctorate. And what was that in? My doctorate was a doctorate of musical arts. So okay, basically, yeah, DMA. Um, and again, I, I decided to stay at the University of Wisconsin primarily because I felt, especially my, my teacher there, John Stevens, had taken a sabbatical my second semester of my master's. And mm -hmm. I thought there was still a lot that I could learn from him in particular to stay and study. So that was the one of the main reasons. And then I also very much liked Madison and the university itself as well. And that's what, yeah. I mean, I decided yeah. to continue with the doctorate primarily because it was the realization of, oh my gosh, I also really love this teaching thing. Now, I don't know yeah. if I could ever do it at the like middle school, high school level <laughs> as a you know day gig, but uh, I really do enjoy working with college students and uh, I think I'd like to try again to make a career out of this. Do you think that that was, was that kind of a change halfway through? Like, oh, like I could actually do this teaching thing or was that something that maybe you had kind of had in the back of your mind before that? I think I did have it in the back of my mind. Again, it was no, that wasn't necessarily a realization. I had been teaching privately, private lessons since I was an undergrad student. And I always really enjoyed it. I think what also attracted me towards teaching in like a university position is the other elements it affords you, meaning um, performance opportunities, job flexibility to do things like Marari. Um, yeah. And just the variety of, I mean, I actually really enjoy administrative work as well. So the opportunity to potentially go add that to what I'm doing too. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely lots of opportunity to like really kind of figure out, like, I think just kind of understanding who you are as a musician and what are the important things to you is when you're teaching, because we do have to do so many things, you gotta wear a lot of hats exactly. um, in that particular realm. And so you're teaching at East Tennessee state right now, um, low brass, right? So tuba euphonium. Um, what is your favorite part about teaching at East Tennessee state? Oh man, my favorite part of working at ETSU, I think is working with the student population that we have. I view it as maybe not a unique population, but one that has provided really great, both teaching challenges for me and also really great teaching rewards. Um, a lot of the students that I work with are whether they're first generation college students or they've never taken a private lesson before um, all the way up to they you know have been studying their entire middle and high school education careers um, it just it's such a variety of students that come in with such different backgrounds and honestly with very wide open eyes and ears of okay I really have a lot to learn and I really want to learn it. 
So I think working with those students is definitely, for me, the best part of working at ETSU. Yeah, were you surprised by that? Because I know we obviously teach at very, very similar universities at opposite ends of the state. Um, but did it surprise you how much you liked working with the students since so much of your focus had been a little bit more on performance and a little bit more kind of doing your own thing creatively? Yes, it, it did surprise me. Uh, when I first got to ETSU, it was actually, I, it was difficult in some ways. I didn't necessarily understand how to relate to or communicate with this sort of student population. Uh, I, where I went to school and who I learned from, it was just a different, almost a different approach and a different language. And that same language yeah. didn't really work with this student population. And that, again, it was a challenge initially, but eventually it turned into something that it was very rewarding because it forced me to really, as a teacher, be very creative and think outside the box. And so stretching yeah. creativity, not just as a performer, but as an instructor as well. Yeah, so maybe all those kind of creative problem-solving skills that we develop playing brass instruments. I think it, it is, I think it's really like it's all part of the same skill set, right? It's just kind of a, a different different focus rather than just playing a musical phrase. It's like, oh, how do I actually talk to people from, and it's surprising coming from up north how different the culture is down south. I mean, you think yes. like, oh, it's not that big. We're all people, right? But it is a really, really different culture. It's kind of one of those things, you know, we've talked about this just a little bit before, but like, it's really easy to feel like an outsider, definitely. you know, um, and, and really figuring out like, okay, like what is the value system here and how do you, although it may not be yours, how do you relate to people? Like right. wh what are the similarities? You know, was there a particular student or a particular situation that you feel like really was kind of like the pivotal moment in you starting to really develop that understanding on how to really reach in and, I mean, to be honest, as college teachers, we are life coaches for sure um, on a daily basis with our students. So was there a situation that, that kind of really connected you to that idea or connected you to a particular person that kind of opened it up to something a little bit more global in your approach? I honestly don't think it, there was one particular student or situation. It's really been, especially over the first, it's hard to believe, I think I'm starting my eighth year there it's been a gradual process. It was a gradual process, I'd say over the first like three years, especially, and then mm -hmm. kind of getting, well, it is also partly students understanding me a little more. Um, I'd say more in breakthroughs with students in terms of like aha moments have come more off the instrument than on, so. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we've kind of talked a little bit about like how you got um, to this particular place, which is really, really interesting. I think the places that a lot of us end up as music teachers is certainly not a place that we ever thought about <laughs> that we would be. I certainly didn't think that I would be in Tennessee um, living. Um, so is there is there something 
outside of music um, that you really love doing? You know, what are those things? Um, uh, I, I mean, there's obviously lots of things, but uh, just anything kind of outside of music, outside of teaching, basically outside of your profession that you, you found that you've really liked or that you are really passionate about? Sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd say my own, like to sum it up in one statement, it would probably be activity and the outdoors. I, besides working and practicing my instrument, there are kind of two things that take up my time. Uh, one is the kind of pretty much anything fitness related. So my, ideally activities outside, especially hiking. Um, I live in the mountains, as you know. Um, so it's a beautiful place to spend in the outdoors. <clears throat> I exercise quite a bit. I, I used to belong to a CrossFit gym, uh, but now um, my wife and I work out from home. And then in addition to that, the other big thing is, and again, this also kind of relates to being outside as much as possible. I spend a lot of time with my kids, especially now. Uh, I mean, I've been at home for five months, uh, working from home and teaching from home. Um, my kids are eight and the younger one is almost two and they keep me very, very, very busy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess a non-outdoor thing was my, my older daughter, Josephine, she's eight. She has been asking, kind of pestering for me to give her uh, euphonium lessons. So she and I started that, oh gosh, probably about a month ago. And oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> and she's doing great. Like when she first started, I was like, huh, you <laughs> actually can very easily make a successful sound on this instrument. And I, I'm kind of floored by this. So, and she's really into it. So I, I have yet to pull out like a piece of music, but kind of doing things more just by ear and trying to get her to understand how the instrument works. But you know, like, so hanging out with them, we went uh, camping this past weekend with our, uh, so my wife and I and our two kids and our, our, our two dogs, um, which was a very eventful experience. <laughs> Let me tell you more about that later. <laughs> so where did you go? Did you stay in Tennessee or we, we just go to went a different place? Over the, over the border into North Carolina, uh, down by Brevard. So Okay, into great. actually what is considered the northernmost rainforest in the world so um in transylvania county didn't so know that yeah i didn't either but it does it rains there an amount that would rain in a rainforest so it rains a ton oh wow <laughs> how do you balance i mean you've got a full family you have a wife you have two kids you have a full-time job you're playing other gigs on the side i know marari isn't the only um necessarily group outside of ETSU that you play um, in. So how do you how do you find time to bring who you are as an artist to the table as a human being with your family and to the stage when you have your instrument in your hand? I think one of the biggest um, things that have helped me with that balance is on and this is going to sound pretty dry and lame, but is simply learning efficiency and learning how to be highly productive when you have the time to, um, you know, I don't think that's lame or dry at all. <laughs> I think that's pretty, really smart. There's, actually. there's nothing flowery about it. It's just what it <laughs> it's is. Like, 
I'm going to start taking notes while you give this answer. <laughs> start using this information. I mean, I'm not necessarily good at it all the time, but I, the, with, you know, and everybody's busy. Everybody, especially musicians, you know, you always hear people, sure. someone will say, oh, I'm so busy. Like, you don't even understand how busy I am. I'm pretty sure we all understand how busy we all are. You know, there are, we will fill up our lives with something, you know, whether it's work or family or recreation or a combination, hopefully a combination socialization of all of all of those things. You know, we, we can't just do just work. Obviously we be great to just do family and fun things all the time, but work also has to be there. So being efficient for me in my practice has been incredibly important. Uh, and that's, that's something I learned in my undergrad. And I, I really attribute that to pursuing the biology degree in addition to the music degree. Like I had to be, I had to learn how to be efficient very quickly. So having a very efficient warm up, knowing exactly what I want to accomplish at a specific practice session, because I'm not going to have three hours to get it done. I may have 30 minutes. So trying to get the same product from a much shorter period of time. Yeah. Do you feel like, I know that kind of this pursuit of balance is something that is kind of ever present for us because it changes, obviously, depending on your circumstances and, you know, with jobs and families and relationships and all of those kinds of things. Is there kind of one thing for you or an experience or something that you're like, yeah, this is something that's valuable to me in finding this balance? Is there something that contributes to you being able to to be really clear with yourself, like, okay, I got 30 minutes. Here's how I get it done. I think that element of like, okay, I have 30 minutes here as I'm going to get it done. That is something that I, I taught, I had to teach myself. I don't think anyone necessarily taught me that, but it's something that I, I teach my students every week, you know, okay. It's specifically like, okay, if you want to get good at this specific thing on this page, here's how you need to practice it. Um, but just maintaining, I, I guess I, I forgot the end of your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It was just like, basically, you know, was there something that really helped you in this pursuit of balance? Like it was there kind <clears throat> of one thing or something that just kind of really was like, okay, I got to get this together. Sure. Okay. So I don't think there was one thing in the moment. I think it's something I've always kind of done and had. And I think the reason that is, is I've always had really excellent role models of that work-life balance, uh, especially in John Stevens. So John is someone that, you know, through his whole career, he had two kids. He loves a bunch of different stuff. You know, he loves to golf. He loves to be outside. He loves to compose. He loves to do uh, a myriad, play softball, a myriad of different things. And he loves to spend time with his family. So seeing him do all of those different things and also hearing him talk about the importance of maintaining these different elements in his life gave me a perspective of that before it was even a reality in my own life. Yeah. And it is something really good to role model to your students. You know, I think every time I think to myself, oh my gosh, I'm busy or I'm stressed. 
And I think, why, like, I need to pull it together because I'm not promoting music very well if my students see me frazzled and broken and just like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. why would they even want to do that with their time if they see us freaking out, <laughs> you know, all the time? So, yeah, yeah it's definitely. Um, kind of like a soft skill, I guess, but something that I think that's super important. And that's like, that's such a great way to think of, like thinking about balance is efficiency so that you can have time to do all of the things that you want to do, right. which makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I know we all kind of have these stories of, you know, what was our proudest moment and what was maybe one of the most pivotal or usually kind of difficult struggle situations um, that, that you've had in your career. Um, why don't we start with something that you're most proud of when you kind of look back on your life and your career, what's something that you're super, super proud of? This is probably going to sound very general, but I, at this point in my life, I am most proud of what I've made my life into. And with that, the confidence that I have in myself. Um, I've always been, as I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, very insecure, and this is partly due to the teachers I mentioned in high school. I was very insecure as a student and a young musician. Uh, I was terrified to practice when other people were practicing around me. You know, I, I didn't really put myself out there fully until uh, a little bit later in my studies. In addition to those things as a musician, I was also terrified to be kind of myself authentically. Um, I was closeted in regards to my sexuality and very nervous to come out. Um, what would it mean for my personal life? What would it mean for my career? Uh, you know, I didn't really come out to the world, quote unquote, so I was probably 28. Um, but I'm very proud of who I am now. I'm a successful performer, a successful educator. I have wonderful students. I'm married to an amazing woman and I have two beautiful children. Um, I live in a beautiful part of the country. And I wake up every day and feel very lucky and fortunate to have a life that I am proud of. Um, okay. So kind of along those same lines, um, what is the most meaningful piece of advice that you ever received? Oof. I mean, it's funny. It's kind of something we've already talked a lot about, and that is simply having a work-life balance. Uh, it's something that, and I've already said his name, it was something that John Stevens talked about a lot, uh, about having that and why it's important and, you know, that you don't want to let aspects of life go just for the sake of a career. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's so interesting because in order to have a career, it is all about connections, right? It's about not necessarily knowing like, oh, you have to know the right people. I mean, certainly that benefits you, but having deep connections with people, you know, like when I think about how this group started, like every time a new member came into the group, it was like this instant, like, holy crap, we're like going to be best friends kind of thing. And we're going to go hang out at each other's houses and call each other at 11 o'clock at night when we have something exciting to say. I mean, it just, that's just how it happened. Um, and it's so interesting that so much of what we end up doing disconnects us. Yes. Um, from those particular things. Can you speak a little bit about that maybe? 
so much of what we do is simply connecting with people, uh, whether, you know, it's via our instrument, well, yeah, really via our instruments, especially in regards to performance. And yes, a lot of, especially surrounding college, being, being in college education, uh, we're expected to do so much that when, when would there be time for, you know, actually making mm -hmm. connections with people outside of our, you know, our jobs, um, especially now, I'll be honest, like, and I'm sure you're in the same boat, you know, with the current situation regarding, regarding COVID-19 and the fall semester, I'm going to be teaching 17 credits and it's just what it is. And there's, that's the expectation because of the current climate and, so yeah, even then, okay, how do you do it? And I don't know if I really have a super great clear answer, but you just, at points, you just have to make choices. So one thing that I, I'm still striving to be better at, and this is just a very small example of my goal every day when I walk into my office is to, and this is so hard for me, but to not open my email until after I've played my instrument for at least like 30 minutes. And then once I've done that, then I can go work on, and I mean emails like work emails, right? So it's kind of that type of system of like, okay, whatever it is that I think needs my priority focused on, I can't go do this thing, which maybe in my head is more pressing, until I at least spend this amount of time on this other thing, which is also important, but sometimes gets shoved into the background. That's a kind of a strange answer, yeah. I know, but. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, it's, I mean, you gotta just figure out kind of a system. I love that whole thing about email. I started doing that too, cause it's almost like, oh no, it's somebody else's agenda. Yes. <laughs> and now I'm like spending all this time doing that and not getting my stuff done. So, right. I mean, the thing is, is I, I feel like we have such a great opportunity in the jobs that we have um, and it's our job to figure out how to take advantage of that opportunity and how to reframe it, right? Rather than the old poor me's like, oh, God, I have so many things to do. You know, you're like, nope, you just got to prioritize your yeah. time and put it in. Here's the slot. And here, you know, just being flexible too. Oh, my God. Wait, oh, man, that's right? huge. And honestly, these are things that, you know, I, I know, like, I learned a lot of this just by having to do it, like, in my undergrad or in graduate school. Like, we learn these, or you should you want to be successful, learn these skills early on and then use them later in life. Sometimes it's very hard to be like, ugh, I'm going to, I need to prioritize this thing, but I really want to go play in the sprinkler in the backyard with my kids. It's like, no, <laughs> there still has to be priority yeah. here. Uh, and you can play for 30 minutes and then go do the thing you want to do. So I guess that's a, another right. example. Um, so this is kind of an, a question, I guess, outside of just kind of music stuff and career stuff and, and, and those kind of things. But, um, and I, I always love this question because I think it's so interesting. It is a little bit tricky to answer because I feel like I don't know if I could give one answer to this because there are so many people that I would want to have a conversation with. But if it's, if you could have dinner with any person from any time in history, who would it be and what would you want to know? Mm -hmm. Oh, if I can answer that question, Jesse. It's hard, right? It's a tough one. Like, I don't. 
So let's just say you could have a different answer on a different day, but what you're thinking about right now and where we're at, what would be a really great conversation with someone you could have today? You know, it's funny, and it's probably because it's he, it's been a person we've talked about quite a bit. It'd probably be John Stevens <laughs> because I haven't talked to him That's in awesome. so long. And, you know, we always have amazing conversations and a really good, you know, connection. So, yeah. And I yeah. honestly, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I probably would ask him and talk to him about, you know, kind of, because I haven't talked to him much since really our youngest was born, just about probably advice on how to really maintain like that work-life balance it's stuff with music has been a little more difficult for me recently just in terms of maintaining that and mm -hmm. so just kind of getting his perspective on it yeah and I you know one of the things I think is so great I love that you have this connection with John Stevens and you guys are obviously very very close um one what a beautiful relationship to have with a teacher I've been lucky to have that relationship as well um, and it's so neat. Like when you think about like, oh my God, I'm going to go study with John Stevens. You know, when you went to initially when your master's degree, you know, what were the things that you wanted to ask him then? Like when he was just like, okay, oh my God, he's my new teacher. What do I want to talk to him about? Do you remember what those things were that you were so excited to share with him and talk with him about? Well, what's funny about John is I first met him when I was a middle school student and I met him at a oh gosh it was the Sinfonia which was like a professional tubiophonium ensemble they did a summer workshop and one of the summers they did their workshop was up in Interlaken and they did another summer down in Brevard I think it was the Interlaken one that I met John my mom took me there uh, and from then forward it was always kind of in the back of my mind I just would love for the opportunity to study with this person. Um, and so when I applied and auditioned and was accepted into UW for my master's, it was kind of a no brainer. It's like, no, this is, this is where I want to go. I don't, I didn't even know what it was necessarily. I just felt like I, uh, he was understood me and I understood him. And I, I don't know, I don't know if there was a specific question just I was trying to figure out like especially as not just not a tuba player but as a musician how to because again I was so sh kind of insecure and shy how to express myself as like truly speaking of truly authentically me and I think I was, I don't know if I ever, I don't, again, I was so shy. I didn't really ask him any questions, um, but he really did crack that. And he's, you know, I tell him that and he tells me, no, it's just, it was just me. And I just needed to have a opportunity to feel comfortable like being me. But um, I think that's kind of how that started. Yeah. And then you get to a, a place where you several uh, study several years, right, with him going through your doctorate as well. But then to like, think, it's so interesting because the way that relationship blossomed and he actually wrote a piece for your wedding. He wrote that piece for me actually before my wedding. Um, 
that that piece was written for me to play so it's a it's a tuba solo um yeah for tuba and piano and he it's called in a quiet way and it's not published for anybody that wants to go out and purchase in a quiet way it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful beautiful piece of music um but he wrote it because I liked to end all of my uh, solo recitals with something lyrical and pretty. And so he wrote it as something for me to kind of finish recitals with when I chose to. Um, that said, it's very challenging and very high. So he did not make it easy to end a recital with this piece. <laughs> but um, and, and for, for my wedding, uh, we decided to have uh, one of my closest friends play the piece on horn so he re rearranged it for horn and horn and piano yeah so. oh I think that's yeah it's so interesting you know you think like I didn't even know what to ask you know I was just this kind of quiet shy person and then he allows this safe space for you and then writes a piece for you which knowing how I know you could not have been any more perfect that piece yeah. I mean it's it speaks to like not just like, okay, Stephanie likes to end recitals in a quiet way, you know? It's like you, you know, that like, there is a little bit of a hard shell at the surface, but <laughs> once you start talking and you feel safe and like, we feel like, yeah, we, we have a connection here. Like just the beauty that comes out of a relationship like that. And sometimes unexpected, you know, especially our relationship. Like I had no idea what to expect with that, but that, that piece I think really kind of sums up, um, all that is you that you don't let it all out at once yeah. but it's this kind of quiet slow process that you know when you when you feel safe and secure and obviously that has that process has changed for you over the course of time because of people like john stevens and because of i think the stage and the voice that playing music has given you which i think is a really really beautiful thing and when you look back from your story like how that all comes together and that piece kind of sums it all up that's pretty special that you have a yeah. teacher that taps into that that's really really cool um and yeah and so and now you know what I mean it's so great that like now I'm gonna ask John Stevens how do you be a parent <laughs> <laughs> and like how do you be a musician like what a how great you make it all like, work <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. you know what I mean that's such a special thing and I think that that's you know, I think really true kind of for all of us and really true for Mirari and like, I mean, I think how lucky we are on how this group kind of came together and like, um, ultimately, I mean, besides Payton, who's very recent, obviously, you being the last kind of uh, member that was added to that group. And it was just like, I mean, within 15 minutes, I was like, okay, yep. <laughs> feels like it's gonna work. And it was like, you don't know why, because we didn't know each other. I didn't know you. Matt didn't know you, Alex right. didn't know you, just Sarah, you know what I mean? So um, the fact that the four of us being very, very different people and then bringing you in and we all kind of were like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense for us is kind of really, really cool. Yeah. But um, so is there anything else that like our Mirari hmm. fan base, <laughs> what, what they would want to know about Stephanie? I don't think so. I think I think you that you love doing interviews and I you love, love talking about. I yourself. love talking and speaking in front of crowds. Yeah, it's my favorite. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yes, everyone. 
Yes. You were divorced. We love it when you do it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, speaking of that. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. So there is a story behind that. I'll let you tell that story, Stephanie, because the way that you tell it is so hilarious. So this is kind of like we all like have Ferrari moments. Um, we all have Murari moments of like these things, like, <laughs> like things that happen that were kind of funny or things that were like really meaningful for us. And I think this was, I think a moment, Stephanie, I think it was like a really big moment for you in the group, like just in like how you spoke. And I felt like um, kind of every time after that, it was like watching you kind of like grow into this person who became much more comfortable and confident about sharing. And I, I think it's when you have a moment where you're like, like it's a yeah. great place to start from yeah so I'll I let you tell the story I'm trying to remember exactly what happened did I call the piece hard first or did I yes okay so yeah yeah so we played and I, I love this piece and I'd love to play it again we were playing boats of sonatine for brass quintet and I was in the person that was introducing the piece and for whatever reason I decided to just introduce it by just saying that it was just a super hard piece for brass quintet and it was very challenging for us to put together and just kind of making it sound like you know I mean I got it because then I think it was an intermission Sarah was like you know Stephanie maybe you could choose a different word besides hard because because and then everybody <laughs> starts laughing which makes it extra special and yeah. makes you feel really good about yourself uh -huh. Uh -huh. so, and then we all started reciting everything you said which made it also great yeah yep, good yep. learning moment it was great and so then yeah. i decided the next time i introduced it that i was going to call it was a tour de force the bosa sonatine yes. so and that was I, I guess also kind of a phrase that's now kind of stuck around but I think you're right, though, Jesse. That really was kind of a, for me, maybe because it was humorous as well, kind of like a pivotal moment in terms of my own comfort being on stage and talking in front of groups of people. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's such a neat place because you feel really naked when you're doing it, especially when, yes. like, I'm okay making an idiot out of myself. So if I go up in like totally, blah, I just like recover and, and do it. But you are definitely not that person. You love to be much more organized and much more clear and direct about what you're doing. Um, and it's it's kind of neat how everybody kind of learns a little bit from each other. You know what I mean? That like, yep. we all have different strengths and different weaknesses, which I think is what makes our group function really, really well. Like, it's really great to have direct, like, hey, you're late. Okay, good, let's go on. You know what I mean? And sometimes yes. there needs to be the like, okay, let's work through this little bit approach. But I think we there needs to be a little of... nuance on occasion. Yes. Or litmus test, if you will. Yes. Yes. Where does that line fall? But yeah. yeah, but I think that was a really big moment for you and kind of that like, okay, like they're just people and it's okay to stumble over your words a little bit. And like, we're just human beings, you know what I mean? And, and being able to kind of share that with an audience and be okay with that. I think, I don't know, I don't, did you, had you ever really let yourself kind of have a moment like that in a public space? Like a moment, like just letting myself just connect with the audience when speaking? 
Yeah, just where you were like, oh, like you, it was just, it, you were like trying to be so controlled. I mean, it certainly wasn't bad what you said, but no, it was just I, this moment of like, I, I'd say for the most part, I, I still, uh, things are generally very thought through and controlled and, um, yeah, it just, it, I thought it made things easier in terms of like public speaking, I don't really, it was never an issue with performance. I've never had like major performance anxiety unless mm-hmm. I was speaking. Um, right. So I, now it's much easier in that if I, I don't necessarily, I don't think about or premeditate for a long time on like what I'm going to say, you know, I yeah. don't script it. Right. Right. Yeah. It becomes much more conversational. And especially when you do it, I mean, we've all done it enough that it's kind of like, okay, here are the interesting parts about things, but right. yeah, but it's really neat to kind of look back on moments like that and be like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I have gotten better at these kinds of things and, and how it's changed, you know, your comfort level, your interaction with other people interaction, even with the music and like the group. And it's really, really interesting to like, um, I Definitely. haven't thought about that a ton about how we've all kind of, cause there's individual evolution and then there's group evolution. It's kind of neat how that's yeah. all like, been it's worked really well together yes we've all learned a lot from each other oh i agree completely which has been yeah which has been really really awesome well it's been really great to talk to you you too jesse yay oh my god and i hope everyone enjoyed getting to know a little bit about stephanie obviously that is a very thumbnail sketch of a very beautiful human (laughs) being that i am very very happy to call one of my friends and colleagues um we're really, really looking forward to, I think, everybody kind of sharing a little bit about who they are and um, having a little deeper understanding of the group, which I think makes us makes the music more interesting, too, when you know a little bit about where people are coming from. So yeah. um, the next time you hear Stephanie play a solo, right, it'll be so much, it, it'll be like kind of hearing, having a conversation with one of your old friends because you'll know a little bit more about her. So thanks for chatting and sharing awesome. a little bit of who you are. We really appreciate that. Thank uh, you. And I can't, I can't, can't wait to see you again and and play music and hang I know. out. Same. Yay! Yay! All right, we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye, Jesse.